0: Hey men, well hey Fuse at every campus, how we doing tonight? Good, good, well I promise you no matter how your day has been going, whether you're on you know the sunny coast of Myrtle Beach and Charleston or up here in the upstate, uh, your day is only about to get better. Hopefully it already is with worship and seeing your friends and you know we brought back real love tonight because why not? Um, but hey, I'm not actually preaching tonight. Uh, I just get the awesome privilege to introduce uh, a great friend. Um, He's actually from our Florence campus. Shout out Florence, making some noise right now. Um, And I just want to tell you uh, that this this man that you're about to hear from uh, not only can preach a great word, but he has been living a great story. Um, And to see, uh, to get to know him and to see the, the story that he has allowed God to write with his life is unbelievable. Um, And the story that he is about to bring to you tonight is unbelievable, because the Bible says in Revelation that people are saved by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, and his testimony is powerful. So let me see your Bibles and journals every campus up in the air. Come on, y'all, getting better and better. And hey, if you're new to the Fuse family, hey, can we make some noise really quick for anybody new to the Fuse family? Grab a Bible at, you know, Target or Dollar Tree or wherever. Um, They probably have them there, right? And a journal um, and bring it uh, because we're going to dig into the word every week. But now, Fuse, especially Florence, everyone across the state, I need you to show some honor and make some Fuse-level noise for Sam Gibson. Come on, y'all. Yes. Thank
1: you. Man, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Man, thank y'all, thank you. You can be seated, you can be seated. Uh, man, I know Mary's already done it, uh, but want to welcome everybody, every campus. Man, it is so good to be here. Whatever room you're in across the state, just know, man, God is doing incredible things in the city that you're in, but he's also doing incredible things all over our state. It's incredible that we get to be a part of a movement that's happening. You know, we get to celebrate it at the gauntlet every year, but it happens each and every week in the rooms that you're in. And so, man, it's awesome what God is doing. Um, man, shout out to my Florence family. Love you guys. Uh, so glad that you guys are there and I get to have the chance to be here. Shout out to those watching online. Um, I'm just joking, it's probably only my mom watching online. Uh, but shout out to my mom, you know. Hey, love you. Um, if you're in high school and you're a guy and you're not showing your mom some love, you got to get it right, guys. So come on. You know, you'll learn one day. I had to learn that the hard way. Um, so, hey, we're in this series right now called The Way. And talking about how we follow Jesus, that what this looks like, it's a nine-week thing. We started, you know, Caleb opened it up talking about Jesus' birth and why that matters. Because it's very different than all of us, that he is fully God and fully man. And then we talked about baptism and how important that step is. And that's included in the Great Commission for all of us. Then we had talked about the idea, and Mayor talked about the idea a little bit too, with identity. And then Caleb last week finished it um, talking through temptation. And how, if Jesus faced temptation, we're probably gonna face it too. Um, and so, I'm a really, really excited and honored to be here and just excited for what God is gonna do, because um, I have the opportunity to talk to you about repentance. Nobody likes that word. The moment I say it, it's like, oh, great. But that's what we're gonna talk about tonight, and I'm telling you, it's gonna change your life. Because um, if you can't see it on the screen, I am abnormally large, um, <laughs> both ways. Um, so, I'm six foot seven. Um, <laughs> I'm the shortest guy in my family, though, so super odd. My dad and brother are both taller than me. I'm the runt. Uh, but man, the reason this, this, what we're talking about tonight, matters so much to me is because there's nothing worse growing up in life than being six foot seven and having this massive, big exterior, but feeling like you're two foot five on the interior. And that I've got my, pretty much my whole life, I had this big exterior, and people, oh man, you're huge, but inside I felt so small. And the idea of repentance and what repentance actually means is what God has used to transform my life fully. And you really can't go the way too far in Jesus until you get the proper understanding of what this means. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll dive right in. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are who you say you are. Thank you, Jesus, that you made a way, that you are the way. You're the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through you. And so, Lord, none of this is beneficial without you. Holy Spirit, come and do your work. Speak and move. We trust in you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we've been in this journey in the book of Matthew. And Caleb was in Matthew chapter 4 last week. And we're kind of going to pick up right there. And we read it earlier. But Matthew 4.17 says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. You know, I don't know what you grew up with in your context of what your church environment looked like or whether or not you had one. But for so many years, the word repent, just, I just thought about people yelling on the, the road. Like, repent, turn or burn. You know, like, just this like, you know, you're just walking down the road and someone's like, repent of your sin. And it's like, who, who are you? You know, like, that's had this weird context of like, I don't really know what that word means. I'm not really, really sure. And it's really important that we get this right. And so from that moment on, Jesus, after that, he calls a few disciples later on in Matthew 4. And then we jump into Matthew chapter 5. And in every campus, you read that earlier, the Beatitudes are the start of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, where he says some very, like, paradigm-shifting things that, like, hey, you've heard it said, but I say. And one of the best things you can do as a believer is just get Matthew 5, 6, and 7 in your heart all the time. There's so many rich things in there. But for many, many years, I read it with the wrong lens. Because I had the wrong lens on what repentance really means. You know, because Jesus says some pretty incredible stuff. You know, he talks about like, hey, you've heard it said, you shouldn't murder somebody. But I say, if you hate someone in your heart, you've already killed them. And so basically Jesus is taking all these things that were really hard to do initially and raising the bar on everyone. The, the law of the Old Testament, he's saying, hey, you've heard it said this, but I say, and he keeps raising the bar. He says some things like, hey, don't stress about life. Just seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. He talks about, hey, and this is probably the most shocking statement that he makes because there's a group of people there. He's, he's got a crowd already. And in that day, the most religious or the churchiest people were called the Pharisees. And he tells the crowd after preaching the sermon, he says, hey, here's what you need to understand. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. If, I don't Just put it in the context, I don't know, like, who the, who's the godliest person that you know? You know, you look at your life and say, like, man, if I could be like them one day, you know, multiply that by 10. The Pharisees have memorized the Old Testament. I mean, they are at the temple day in, day out. They, they honor the law, but it's honoring the law through practice, not through heart. And so when people hear like, hey, you're also more righteous than them, this is never going to happen. And man, I just want to encourage you with this is Jesus wasn't telling people to try harder and do more. Because he started the message by saying repent. And when we get what repentance means, we'll get everything else. And so here's what the word repenting means. It comes from the Greek word, which the New Testament is written in Greek. It comes from the word metanoia. So say the word metanoia. Every campus, metanoia. You got it. So you can tell your parents you learned some Greek tonight. What that word means repenting means changing your mind. Changing your mind. So important to know it doesn't mean changing your actions. You know, because most of us, and I grew up, and this was the cycle I had in my life of like, all right, following Jesus now. I'm going to stop doing this stuff and start doing this stuff. And then you mess it up. Oh, God, I'm going to stop doing this. Let me repent. Let me stop doing that. Start doing this. And if you really begin to understand what it means, that repenting means changing your mind. They're not Okay, yeah, stop doing that stuff. Yes, yeah, sin is bad and it hurts and it's going to kill you. Stop it. But don't just stop the action of it. You need to change the way you think about it. So I want to give you a really practical, um, helpful tool. This is, um, they talk about this, they call it the levels of change. Um, This is in like psychology. It's actually from a book uh, that's really great called Atomic Habits. Um, But they talk about the way that we process and internalize change. But go ahead and forewarn everybody, the worst part of this sermon, hopefully, is gonna be the circles I'm getting ready to draw in my handwriting. So if, uh, anyway, we'll just go there. We'll see what happens. So you've got right here these three circles or ovals. Thank you. That's pretty good. I'll take that. So the outer one you've got this. It's what kind we just talked about. Your actions. All right. So that's that's level one. Level two is your beliefs. Then level three. is your identity, your actions, your beliefs, and your identity. So for so many years, kind of grew up in church, had a great family, all that stuff. My idea of following Jesus was only at this level, on the action level. Like, okay, I know God is who he says he is. I need to stop doing this bad stuff and start doing the stuff he tells me to do. And I lived here for many years. But when Jesus starts using that term and says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, he's not saying change here. He's actually saying change here. Because most people in the world live outside in, that their actions, what they do determines who they are. But Christ followers and Christians, we live inside out. That song we sang, we're sons and daughters of God, therefore that informs the way we think, therefore that informs what we do. And when it's talking about changing your mind, it's so, so important to understand when you are reading the Bible, you need to understand that, hey, you are not trying to do the right thing so that you can be the right thing. But you're actually living from the right thing. They're like, hey, you need unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, guess what? Great news. Jesus made a way for us to be the righteousness of God. So that in him, we're not living for righteousness. We are living from righteousness. Like in Christ, you are not trying to be free. You are free. And you're on the journey of freedom. And for so many years, I wrestled with this. And so, man, you know, I've got a story and a testimony that a lot of people talk about and I just want to go ahead and say this in this series, The Way, is, you know, most people, when you hear about a story or a testimony, it's usually like this. Man, when I was younger, I did some terrible stuff. It was awful, but it was kind of fun, too. You know, it was just real bad, all this awful, awful stuff. And then, like, they spend 20 minutes talking about all this bad stuff they did. And it's like, and then I met Jesus, and everything changed. And the story stops right there. And let me tell you something, before I dive into any of this, you need to know this. Man, I have been on a journey, this this year for me is a decade in following Jesus. So I gave my life to Christ 10 years ago, and I will tell you this with everything in me, the journey since I started that has only gotten better and better and better. And so that salvation for you, like you need to understand, there's a a mindset in the American church and a lot of people's lives, it's like, I gave my life to Christ and I'm just waiting to get to heaven one day. And that's not true. God has so much more for us than that. And so I shared earlier about the idea of, you know, for so many years of my life, being six foot seven but feeling like you're three foot five. You've got this big exterior but interior man. You just, you're trying to fit in all these kind of things, and what that led to in my life is, you know, in middle I started um, doing drugs. when I was in middle school. Um, my senior year of high school, I was doing cocaine every day of my life. Um, like I actually, it's so funny I get to like speak to a youth group because uh, I got kicked out of my youth group growing up. Like I was causing ruckus. I don't know whichever one of y'all in here or at your campus is causing the most ruckus, but me and you would have been pals back in the day. Like, I was, I was not there for Jesus at all. Um, you know, because my idea really was it was a false thinking that it was my actions that changed things. And so I started this journey, um, and what you need to understand, and I just want to go ahead and say this loud and clearly. Please, please, please don't live half in, half out Christianity. There is no such thing as following Jesus halfway. The longer you do that, the more miserable your life will be. And i just tell you, I have more respect for those of you that are just saying, hey, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. And I want to go ahead and tell you, go run that route as fast and as hard as you can. Because the sooner you realize that following Jesus will not lead you to a place of fulfillment, the faster you'll come back to his feet. Because you're just going to waste time being one foot in, one foot out. Jesus says in the book of Revelation, he says, you're you're neither hot nor cold, you're lukewarm. Pick a side. Like, either Jesus is who he says he is or he's not. And I'm telling you, hey, you know, sin is pleasurable for a season. That's what the book of Hebrews tells us. There's a season which, I'm not going to lie, man, when I started the party scene, it was a ton of fun for a while. You know why? Because it masked and medicated the wounds I had down in here. But eventually it just took more and more and more of that to experience the fulfillment. Because guess what? You were designed and created to be satisfied only in the Lord. And I'm just telling you, I've been down that way. And, you know, you hear these guys say that, like, run as hard as you want to. But do it quickly because you realize it's going to lead you to emptiness. And if you're in, get all in. because I'm telling you, the decision for me to go all in is what changed my life. So I've got this idea. So I'm... Did that in middle school, high school. I up, I've been to two treatment centers uh, for drug addiction, all this kind of stuff. And I started coming to New Spring in 2009. And I grew up in church. You know, again, my idea of following Jesus was don't drink, don't smoke, don't cuss. Pretty much it. Don't have fun. You know, surrender your life to Jesus was like surrendering the ability to have fun forever. But I actually heard, I was, I, I, you know, I would have told you at the time I was a Christian. I'd prayed the prayer. I couldn't tell you how many times. Like, blue lights in the background, cops were showing up. It's like, Lord, get me out of this, and I'll live for you forever. And then a day later, I was not doing that. <laughs> but actually, for the first time, I was, um, Clayton King was preaching at New Spring. I was at the Florence campus. And honestly, for the first time, I really understood what salvation meant. It was like the veil was lifted because it was, wait, wait. You mean to tell me that surrendering my life to Jesus is not about trying harder or doing more. but it's about accepting and surrendering to the finished work that Jesus has already done. And so I made a decision to follow Jesus that day. And it has set me on a pathway that's changed my life. But I'll tell you, again, I mentioned this earlier, but that journey for me is just an ongoing process. And for all of us, it's an ongoing process. Really, the change in that moment was still a change. I I got it a little bit in my heart, but it was still more on the action level. You know, like, oh, I need to start reading my Bible, and I need to start doing these things, and all this kind of stuff. And honestly, I spent years just, I would, you know, struggle in this sin cycle, and it's like, well, I need to read the Bible more. Or like, I'm struggling with this, and I just need to pray more. And I'm struggling with this. And honestly, I read a quote in a book and it really made me do some wrestling. I'm gonna share it with you um, right here. And it was this quote. It says, your greatest commentary on your view of God is your view of yourself. So I'll read it again. Your greatest commentary on your view of God is your view of yourself. What that's saying basically is, hey, whatever you say that you believe about God, like whatever it is that you say that, man, he's mighty, he's powerful, you know, I I believe this. But really the most honest answer that you have towards that is the way in which you view yourself. So I read that, and it really started messing with me, and here's why. I had a massive theology. I had a massive view of God, that he is the creator. He is all-powerful. You know, he, he is super, I mean, so big but yet so near. I mean, I mean, I I really did, in my opinion, have this huge, huge, huge view of God. But at the same time, I had such a small view of myself. Because really, if you think about it, these things are at war with one another if I want to have that big view of God, it also says in Psalm 139 that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and that before I did a day of my life that he had already planned them all out, and so that God had designed me. He knows my name, and I had this false theology that, like, God didn't love me as I was right now. He loved, like, the five-year version of me. It's like, Sam's just basically like, yeah, he's all right right now. We'll put up with him for the next few years until he gets everything together, or I had this idea that, like... Yeah, God loves me, but I'm kind of like the redheaded stepchild in the family. i got to try harder and do more. And all of that was birthed and got me on this journey of really with the Lord, of him showing me that the problem was not here. The problem was here. That my identity wasn't whole. And so, therefore, it gave me some beliefs that weren't right, and so, therefore, my actions looked different. Because you need to understand this layer right here, the actions layer, is simply a fruit. This is the root. That no matter whether you're following Jesus in a super religious way or you're on the party scene, whatever, it gets drawn right back here. So I just want to ask you this question What's the first thing you think about when you think about yourself? What's the first thing that you think about when you think about yourself? Not what's the thing, because here's the deal. I knew the churchy answer at this point. I've been following Jesus for five years. I knew the right thing to say in that moment. But if I'm honest with you, someone asked me that question and said, hey, what's the first thing you think about when you think about yourself? Two words, insecure, not good enough. Technically, that's three words, but we're just going to go with it. Insecure, not good enough. And so I'm chewing on all this, my greatest commentary on my view of God is my view of myself. And God, I, I believe your word, I believe what you say, but yet it is not transferring into who I am. And here is, you know, the big, most people celebrate like the crazy part of my story of like, man, he's on drugs and now he's following Jesus. It's great. Let me tell you where Jesus really started the transformation process. I grew up, honestly, a great family. I'm so, so grateful for them. And when I was um, five years old, I've got an older brother and older sister. My parents actually were on a mission trip um, to a different country. And they left me to stay with, me and my sister were actually staying with my grandparents on my dad's side. And I'll sleep on the couch. I'm five years old. My sister's eight at the time. And she comes to me in the middle of the night and she says, hey, grandpa's touching me. And I'm five. I just kind of don't know what to do. And I told her to go back to bed, and I like really wasn't old enough to comprehend everything. But I just remember like months and months and months of tension at my house, and like all this stuff. And man, my sister is one of the most powerful women that I know. Because here's the deal: I wasn't even the one that was abused, but I just remember at five, and I'm telling you, like. Just this thought, your sister came to you for protection, and you sent her right back. You're supposed to protect her, and you let her down. You're not good enough. That thing, and honestly, it's a lie from the enemy, got so deep in here that it was fueling so much of my action, I didn't even know it. You know, I had this performance complex, and no matter how good it was, it wasn't good enough. And then when I realized, well, I can't measure up to all these other standards, so I'm just going to be the, hardy, the hardest partier people know. I'm just going to go in. You know, like I used to, I was that guy that in treatment circles, they talk about what was your drug of choice? You know, what, what, what did you, was it cocaine, alcohol, these things? And I used to say, mine's a yes and more. I'll say yes to anything and I want more of it. I used to say, man, I'll try anything once as long as it doesn't kill me the first time. And this is, I was all I was doing was projecting this big exterior, just trying to be the guy at the party, the life of the party. And it was all sourced, and sometimes it was like a, a okay medication, but it was all sourced from this idea that I'm insecure and not good enough. And it's rooted in something that happened when I was five. And it, this is the crazy thing that blew my mind. It didn't even happen to me. I just didn't, but what were you supposed to do at five? I don't know if you have like a five-year-old, they're not good for much. <laughs> And I, I mean, again, I'll just, my sister's one of the strongest people that I know because that's what actually happened to her. And I know how much this instance marked my life for years and years, into, even including my walk with the Lord, from that lie getting implanted there that you're insecure and you're not good enough. And honestly, so I, I make a decision, I surrender my life to Jesus Christ, but that thing is still down in there. And I'm still, without even knowing it, it's still just kind of fueling a lot of stuff. And so, like, even, you know, I try to read the Bible more than anybody else. That no matter what I'm doing, it's just not good enough. That even I was a young leader in our church and getting involved, plugging into New Spring Church, and I was known to read more books than anybody else. But you know why I read more books than anybody else? Because I was insecure not good enough, so therefore I couldn't let them beat me. That honestly, like, this thing I got celebrated for actually was just this internal wound I was walking around carrying. That because I wasn't good enough than these other people, I got to read to, to catch up. And I'm telling you, a lot of people, you're living this life. That you're living this life where you're, you're either on the party side, maybe you're in the in-between space, or you're even on the follow Jesus side, and you're just on this thing where it's just stuff that you do. And I'm telling you, don't buy into that lie. That Christianity is not this life that you're just meant to project doing the right thing. No, no, it's actually meant something that reflects on the inside of who you are. And for years, I spent this try harder to do more thing, and the reality is, no, 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 you need to understand who God is and then who you are in him because you cannot understand who you are until you understand who he is. And you've got to change your thinking because, again, we can talk about repentance from all the action stuff that is a real thing and sin is harmful and it's hurtful, I know, firsthand, but I'm telling you, until you get down to this phase and change the way you think and understand who you are, it will not transform anything externally. You know, very practically, There's some guys in here and you try to play the, you know, you're the life of the party. You try to be big and bad at school. And all that's because you feel super insecure. You've got this wound in here. You want people to see you because you don't feel seen. Well, again, that doesn't line up with God's word because God's word says that you are seen. He knows your name. Females. You wrestle, and I don't know what, what happened. You wrestle and don't think you're beautiful. And so, therefore, you give yourself away to guys all the time, hoping that they'll tell you you're beautiful. They tell you you still don't believe it, so you just keep doing it. Some of you just don't even know who you are, so, therefore, you just morph into who's around you. You know, you're at church with church friends, and you're loving Jesus and doing all this stuff. Then you get into school, and you're hanging out with other friends, and it's like, God, church stuff so stupid. Following Jesus is dumb. You need to understand, God has so much more for your life than just trying to do this. Jesus has no, no interest in working on your behavior modification, but all interest in your soul transformation. You need to understand when we talk about your heart, it is just this, this the inner working of who you are. The, the, when the Bible's talking about the heart, it's talking about out of where everything comes out of this place. And for years I lived this empty thing because I was trying to do all the Jesus stuff, but the heart stuff still wasn't quite there yet. And so I want to show it to you in scripture. Isaiah 61, it's one of, Isaiah 61 is an incredible passage. So actually in Luke chapter 4, Jesus uses this. And he, he rolls up into the scene, goes to the synagogue, pulls out the scroll, reads Isaiah 61 puts it up, says, hey, it's been fulfilled among you today. I'm sitting down. So Isaiah 61 is a, is a prophecy about Jesus, but it's also one that Jesus read out loud and said, hey, I'm here. This is, this is what I am to do. So read this. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. The gospel, it is good news, y'all. I'm telling you. But it goes further. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, He wants to not just to save you, but that thing within you that's broken, he wants to take it and put it back together. Bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prisons to those who are bound. And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Here's what you need to understand. You're never really going to experience true, lasting freedom until you experience the real healing that God wants to do within your heart. That there is, a, there is a level at which God is here to save you and it is the greatest redemptive work, absolutely. But then he says, hey, let's go on a little bit journey further down the way. And I need you to change the way you think. It's not going to be one day, but I'm coming to change your life today. And I want you to enter into the transform and the fullness of what I have for you. Good news to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted and the opening of the prison of those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So, There's a lot more available. And we're talking about the way and following Jesus. It's not just check this box, check that box. No, no, no. It is a reality that God has way more for you than what you're currently experiencing. It is way better than what you're currently experiencing. And I say that to myself as well. Man, I'll probably be preaching five years from now talking about, man, a few years ago I thought, man, but God's doing so much. We serve a God who's more. And I can't wait. Because I've been on this journey for about ten years. Ten years. And I can't wait till I'm like 80 years old and just getting to celebrate. God's still doing new stuff in my heart all the time. And I'm gonna share a really, really practical passage. Um, I love the book of Proverbs. Love it, love it, love it. It's so good. Proverbs a day, get on it. It's 31 chapters. You should read it. Um, but I read this one day. And it's really popular. You'll probably hear this in church if you, if you grew up in a church background. You, It's gonna sound familiar. But it says in Proverbs 4, through 27, it says, keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. So, your heart is what sources your life. The springs of life are coming out of your heart. And that's, a, again, you really want to put out the identity piece right there that we're talking about. This is just the inner workings, your heart. This is where your life is going to flow from. But, verse 24 says this, put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. So what caught my attention about this So what I said, well, just talk about the heart. And Jesus says, well, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does What? It speaks. So it says, all of a sudden I start seeing this whole pathway that we have going on in Scripture. So put away from you crooked speech, and this talk from you. Let your eyes look forward, and let your gaze be before you. Well, if you don't know this, death and life is in the power of your tongue. And one of the fastest ways that you can change your life is to begin to change your words. And a lot of times what you need to understand is if you're constantly negative or constantly complaining, guess what you're going to see in life? Things to be negative about and things to complain about. I mean, it's just a fact. Like that, that is a true statement, that your words your words, create the, the way in which you see the world. There's a lot of power there. And guess what? What you, what you speak is what you're going to see. And then this, in verse 26, ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. So, again, what you're seeing, you don't, you don't look somewhere. I don't look forward and walk backwards. Where you're setting your eyes is where you're going to set your feet. And then it goes to the next verse. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Don't turn your foot away from evil. So wherever your feet are is the the destination you're heading. Hey, a lot of you guys, you have the intention of following Jesus, but your feet are in a completely different place. And what you need to understand about this passage I think is so, so massive is that whatever is in your heart really is fueling your life. That for me for many years, that lie of insecure, not good enough. I was trying to change the exterior. I was trying to do all this other stuff. But the reality, that lie deep within there was informing the rest of my behavior. It determined what was coming out of my mouth, determining what I saw, it was determining where I went. And honestly, it led me down a path I never wanted to go. And I'm so, so thankful for the redemptive work of the gospel. But here is my favorite part about this passage so I'm reading this one day, and it's just wrecking my soul. It's because it doesn't start at Proverbs 4:23. Actually, the whole this whole thought in Proverbs it starts at Proverbs 4:20. So before you keep your heart, this is the instruction, where the instruction line starts. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear. My sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and healing to all their flesh. Then keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. So many of us, and I walked down this journey for so many years. I had so many bad things just buried deep down in there that I didn't even know were written on my heart. And I was trying to try harder and do more and all the invitation that God has and how he starts this passage saying, hey, my son, not hey, my servant, not hey, the guy that disappointed me, not hey, you that's not good enough. Before any behavior is addressed, it simply says, hey, my son. God starts here and then goes there. And I'm just telling you that some of you guys, someone has spoken a word over your life that someone called you dumb when you were a young, young age and you've been carrying that mentality your whole life. And you make terrible grades because someone called you dumb. And you know what? God's saying, you're not, I made you. And if you break that false identity off of you and repent of your way of thinking, you'd start making the best grades in your class. You know, and I just wanna simply say this, that we see the fall, the fall of man when basically the, the enemy tempts, and Caleb talked this last week, He's tempting Adam and Eve, and he says, did God really say? And then later the Lord comes to him, and he says, they're, he's searching out Adam and Eve, and they're hiding, because for the first time they're, they, they're feeling shame. And the Lord says, where are you? So said, we can't come out because we're naked. And God says, who told you that? And I need you to understand, that whatever the, that first thing that you think about when you think about yourself, if that does not line up with who God says you are, you need to get it out of there. Who told you that? Because I'm telling you, there's a God of the universe that it it. He is so burdened and so broken and loves you so much and he is so kind and he's so good because scripture says it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And he's going, man, you don't have to do all this. You really don't. Listen to what I gotta say about you. Listen to my words. Listen to what I wanna do. And I'm gonna tell you this, just a really simple thing is for years, I heard about people talking about hearing God's voice. And hey man, I do not know what they're talking about. No clue. But let me tell you something. The reason for many, many years I didn't think I heard God's voice is because God's voice was so much kinder than my own. Because I would mess up and I would go, man, I could try harder, do more. can't believe you did that again. You failed. And God's going, hey, man, that's not who you are. I don't identify you by what you do. I identify you by who you are. That's going to later inform what you do. You cannot follow the way of following Jesus until you understand that He made a way so that in Him it's already been done. And we're just walking in the fullness of that. I don't know what's in your heart, but I do know that the Lord has a lot better things to speak of your life. And I've been in this progressive senses moment for me of really starting to experience healing in my life and wholeness in my life. And you know what? Walking into a room and just being comfortable in my own skin. And walking into a room and being able to be, man, this is who I am. This is who God created me to be. And I'm okay with it. I don't have to pretend to be somebody. I don't have to try and do something. And I'm telling you that's God's invitation. It's what repentance really means. Is you need to get the correct thinking about who you are. Because God designed you and he created you. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just wanna offer you the simple, simple, simple opportunity to respond. I don't know where you're at in the way in this idea of trying to follow Jesus, Uh, but some of you, man, your idea of following Jesus has been trying harder to do more, and you need to actually surrender to the finished work of the cross. That you need to understand that your surrendering to Jesus is just every day being willing to take a knee to the finished work of the cross. And if that's you in the room that you need today, that you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. I just simply want to invite you, wherever you are, you need to understand again that the gospel is not try harder to do more, but it's surrender to the finished work of the cross. Whatever room you're in, whatever campus you are, with heads bowed and eyes closed, that's you, would you just raise your hand and put it above your head? Hey, today's the day that I need to give my life to Christ. Today's it. I've been trying harder, I've been doing more, but today's the day, yes, amen. There's hands all over this place, amen. I just want to encourage you, whatever room you're in, if your hand's raised, hey, what's getting ready to happen, we're gonna have some incredible volunteers come alongside of you whether it's a cruise group leader or somebody near you, just volunteers, you can go ahead and move to these spaces. But I'm telling you, man, this is the beginning work, the starting block for your life that God's got some great things for you. So volunteers, if you're in that space, you can go ahead and move, but everybody else, heads bowed, eyes closed. And i just love and be honored to have the opportunity to pray for you in just a moment. That there are some young men and some young women in this room, that there are things that have been written on your heart that God never intended to be there. And I just want to be God's gentle, kind voice and say, hey, who told you that? That's not true. I made you. I designed you. I knit you. You are not what was spoken over you. You are not what was done to you. You're more than that. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. So I'm just going to take a quick moment to pray over everybody in the room. I've encouraged you. This is a journey. It's the best one you can ever get on. And do it. Talk to your group leaders about this. Talk to other volunteers about this. Talk to your friends about this. And get on this journey and the pathway to wholeness and healing that God has for your life. And just watch what he will do in your life. So I'm going to pray. We're going to worship. Put our attention on the Lord. But Father, right now, I just pray. That you would take your celestial finger. And rewrite what's been put on our hearts. God, for whatever lies not supposed to be there, God, remove it right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I speak life of these young men and young women. God, for I know the plans that I have for you. God, you have plans to give them a future and a hope. God, you've got so much more. Not more things for them to do, but to simply be. Father, put your words there. My son, my daughter. Pay attention to my words. Listen closely to my sayings, for they're life to those who find them, and health to one's whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for from it flow the springs of life. Let's worship. Amen.